It is Free Talk Live, and you are free to call in and talk live here on the airwaves. It's Mark with you. And Jay. Angie's off tonight. Uh, she's got, uh, what you call it, the bubbly tummy? Well, I, don't, I wasn't paying attention, but yeah. Something that didn't sound like it was uh, the most pleasant thing in the world. Either way, you're welcome to call in and talk about whatever's on your mind as we do here uh we're gonna we've got a couple of stories here that uh that's worth checking out from the foundation for economic education mark j perry writing america's record middle class earning exposes the imaginary hobgoblin of income inequality americans are by and large more prosperous than they've ever been without being noticeably less equal and that's not what we get told, is it, Jay? Uh, it's not what we get told. But on the other hand, when I see this headline and you know read the first part of this article, I, I, I think about, so the numbers are up, it sounds like, and the numbers in the stock market are up. And well, guess what else is up? Inflation, because the Fed just keeps on printing money and printing money. Supposedly, and, this is inflation-adjusted uh, stuff, though. Well, supposedly, inf- you know, inflation-adjusted by who? The Fed? Or, you know, following the guidelines of how to Fed, you know. Right. It's, you know, it's calculates, by economists you know, using um, the calculation of the, the Federal Reserve. W- yep. Which is, you know, they just, they call it 2%, but they don't figure, like, actual things that matter, like, you know, the price of food, price of energy, you know. Agreed. I will say that they don't figure things like food, energy, and housing, which are probably what Americans spend most of their money on. And that you'll see some places where housing has gone way up. You'll see other places where it's pretty cheap. Uh, you'll see, you know, energy costs are probably lower than they have been uh, by, you know, inflation-adjusted numbers uh, for a very long time. And let's see, food. I, I, I'm probably the worst person at this because every time I go to the grocery store, all I can really remember was before I met my wife and I used to go grocery shopping, I was upset that a loaf of bread had gone up from 99 cents to $1.25, and now it's 3 bucks. But when you're talking about food, are you talking about the government-subsidized food, so stuff that's made from you know wheat, corn, soy, canola? Or fed wheat, corn, soy, or canola, Correct. because all beef, chicken, and pork is all subsidized, too. Well, all corporate you know large behemoth like right, right. like jbs you know they're the largest like slaughter operation in the world and you know they feed all that you know el cheapo you know corn you know basically government subsidized feed to everything they just feed the cheap stuff and these mega chicken and egg producers they just feed the cheapest stuff on the market that's not inaccurate but it's also not inaccurate to say that's what most people eat so if you're trying to compare apples to apples on this then um, you know, subsidized food is less costly for the average American family. But if you look at food that isn't subsidized, such as anything that's organic, is, is definitely not subsidized. There's no subsidy for organic spinach. Or not actually, I, I don't of. even think there's a subsidy for any vegetables. Right, because... I don't think spinach generally would be subsidized. No. But um, you'll definitely find subsidies for you know beef and pork and stuff like that. But I would imagine most of the organic meats out there are probably not subsidized. Yeah, because allegedly to be organic, you know, you you can't feed it anything that has glyphosate in it, which is the uh, fr- which is the uh, the killer ingredient, the mineral inhibitor in Roundup, which Roundup is the basically Monsanto's, you know, um, star child, and you know Monsanto, you know, just just look at you know Monsanto reps and lawyers, and you know then they work for the FDA and the you know 
agricultural whatever and whatnot and and you know in the government and if you uh look at the food subsidies i mean the uh, crop subsidies in order to get a crop subsidy what you have to do is follow monsanto growing practices so organic beef if you buy organic beef it it, it should should have no um genetically modified uh crops have been fed to it which would be about impossible to tell unless you were to have the you know the actual beef tested for glyphosate and then that would tell you really if it was actually organic or not which is something that can be done you know thank you technology oh they can do that so uh but like you know one of my good friends is he's not an organic farmer but he's not subsidized because sure when i had pigs at my house nobody was sending me a check for those and people would buy them because they were what they what i call sustainably managed sustainably and humanely raised but he sells hamburger for like I think it's like six fifty a pound. That sounds about right. And uh, yeah, and and people say to him, "Well, I can go to Walmart." Yeah, sure. And I can buy it for you know I don't know what three bucks or three forty nine about about half price. And he says, "Well, you could do that, but you know, um, obviously, you don't understand the difference between me and Walmart. And you know, the the stuff at Walmart is 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 totally subsidized. So when it comes to real food, like you go right here in Keene, we've got this uh, co op." And they're proud that like a lot of pretty much everything there is mostly organic, and they're very proud about that. But that stuff is almost double or triple what it's going to be a mile down the road in Walmart. It also it almost has to be, and the cost of that stuff is drag drugged down by the you know the cost of a Bubba Burger or whatever that you're going to get at Walmart. Um, so you know it's one of the things we just sort of deal with in the marketplace. But uh, let or, me go on with this article okay. if I may. So the Census Bureau released its annual report today on income and poverty in the United States 2017 with lots of new updated data on household and family incomes and household demographics through 2017. Bo, below are four charts with uh, commentary based on the new census, census data and household income through 2017. Shortly, uh, they're going to show analytics and that sort of thing. So median and average household income and average household size. An average household income in 2017, um, let's see, the, the, the incomes, median income last year is of uh, 61,372. So 61,000 was an increase of 1.8% from 2016 and brought median income for the United States households to the highest level ever. Ladies and gentlemen, Median household income is at the highest level ever. So is the debt. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> this money comes from somewhere and it has to go somewhere. You're not paying it, though. I mean, the debt, the government just piles on the debt and no one ever pays it. Well, it can't be paid off. It's mathematically impossible to Green. pay off this debt. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that, the, that it's, I'm not saying this is all good news. What I'm saying is, is that that what we are told over and over again through the media is that the rich are bilking us through the government and making us all poor. The middle class is nearly gone and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'd call $61,000 a year middle class. And this is the highest it was um, it's ever been. And the median means... There are half uh, paychecks above this and half the households below. Half, half the households are above this and half the households are below this. But I wonder what the gap from the sixty-one, you know, thousand to the, uh, you know, to those that are worth that are making billions. Yeah, there's a, you know, yeah, is well, I mean, Dale, Car- uh, the, the you know, the Carnegies, the Mellons, the uh, the build, the, the the I can't even remember all their names, the Roth- uh, Rothschilds and the the Roosevelts and whomever. All these people have always there's always been a group of families that make more. Oh, absolutely. 
And the simple fact that there are people who have more and that you have a television and you can see what their lives are like does not mean that your life sucks sure. any more than it ever did. Um, you know, or any other family that might have been in your particular bracket ever. The number of people living in poverty in the United States since, let's see, it was about 20, excuse me, 1860, I think it was about 85% of families under the poverty level. And now you have very few. And the poverty level includes people who have like smartphones and stuff. Sure. Now, they might be food insecure, but they're not hungry. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, anybody can get food stamps. Yeah, and, and you know a lot of like when I was in Colorado, a lot of the homeless people, you know, uh, a, a lot of them were um, they didn't look like they walked out of you know uh, Camp Auschwitz or nothing. You know, right. they they looked pretty pretty well fed. I was uh, uh, had a guy asking for money for me today, and he, he said he was hungry. I said like, you don't you don't look hungry, and I walked off. <laughs> he didn't look yeah. hungry. So yeah, it's hard to uh, say you're hungry when you're obese. Anyway. Uh, the income gain last year was the fifth consecutive annual increase in real median household income starting in 2013, following five consecutive declines from 2008-2012. So that is true. There was some uh, declines at that point. It's the, uh, the due to the effects of the Great Recession. The last period of four consecutive gains in annual median household income was during the late 90s, at the end of the longest ex- economic expansion in U.S. history. We're going to be back with more of this. Your thoughts are certainly welcome. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Call in. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're talking about at this moment in time. This sort of myth of uh, the growing wage gap, it's just not happening, Best according to the Foundation for Economic Education. And, well, they're using U.S. Uh, Department of uh, Finance or whatever, some, some department here's uh, numbers. I wonder if they asked, if the U.S. Department of Finance asked the uh, people who are uh, pooping on the uh, sidewalks in San Francisco, uh, you know, what's your income? I, they they would conceivably have to, but nobody asked me. No, well, <laughs> they're guessing in a lot of cases. In your case, you're not even a, you're a non person as far as they're concerned. You don't even count in their. In numbers. fact, I, I claim to be a non person all the time. Yes, you you don't want to be counted. No, uh, I think that there's a percentage of the population that is re- at, at least as happy. Um, not working and not being uh, constrained and uh, whatever, then there is, you know, that the, they would be doing anything else. That I've, you know, I've talked to homeless people and they're like, some homeless people, not all of them by any stretch, uh, but some of them just don't want a job. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. I, I got a good friend. He uh, He's like 24, I think, or 25. And he does, uh, he works for me a lot and he works for other uh, a, a handful of other porks. And but his things for the past couple of years has been uh, working for Labor Ready, and basically he's like, yeah, I want to go to Fork Fest, you know, and I want to be up there for the whole week. He says, I just don't do any Labor Ready work, and and he loves it. He gets paid, you know, pretty good, and he can work all the hours he wants. And he's a he's a good worker, so he's got like priority. And any morning he wants, he just clicks on the app, and you know, ten minutes later they're sending them off to a job, you know, because there's like an app he can use with that, and. And a lot of people are doing that, so because 
I feel that the that the labor market in my lifetime, anyways, is the best it's ever been for That's for the, the worker. Is. For the worker. Let's go uh, real quick. I want to tell you about my magic mud. This is the best for anybody with teeth. If you don't have teeth, don't listen. Uh, so my magic mud is a black tooth powder that is made of charcoalized coconut shells and bentonite clay, and that sounds pretty crazy, right? But not I've, to me. Yeah, it makes I, perfect sense. I understand the chemical properties of those uh, chemicals. Right. You you know why, why they put uh, charcoal in filters. It's because it bonds with and bad stuff. Bentonite clay is used in um, as a feed additive in uh, dairy operations. And when you run out of bentonite clay, the vet bills go up. It oh. is very, I, I mean, I explain how it works, but finish what you're saying. Okay, no problem. It's uh, clinically proven to whiten teeth, and I can attest that it absolutely does that. Use it for four days, and you will see the difference, actually after one brush, but you'll definitely see everything, you know, cleared up uh, after four days. You, you shouldn't use it twice a day, um, but you should use it every four days after that. You can find it at most major health food stores, Sprouts, CVS, Natural Grocers, Walmart's Natural Beauty Aisle. But if you want to get uh, 20% off, I can tell you how to do that here in, in just one second. But I want to tell you about my sort of personal experience with this. I started using it probably five, eight years ago, and I haven't been without it since because it took the stains right off my teeth and... I swear, I don't care what anybody says. I may not be clinically proven. I don't give a darn. The It gets my teeth cleaner than regular toothpaste. I know if I haven't done it for four or five days because I can begin to feel the difference on my teeth. Go to MyMagicMud.com. Use coupon code FTL20 and you'll save 20% off. And try it now. I want you to try it. If you listen to one thing I say, MyMagicMud.com, coupon code FTL20 for 20% off. Going back to our article here from Fee, they're talking about how the median income has risen over the like the last five years and to its highest point ever. And it's saying, although it doesn't get as much attention as median income because it's influenced by outliers on the high end, average household income has also increased on a new uh, to a new record level of eighty six thousand two, which is an increase of one point five percent from twenty sixteen. Now, I don't think that that's a as big of a an issue because when you have median income, what you're talking about is the median income. That means half of the paychecks, half the households in America make more than what was the number? Eighty five. Sixty one. Sixty one thousand. Sixty one point three. Right. So half of the households make more than that. And then half, half the households make less than that. So median is a very legit number when talking about this. Now, when you're talking about an average of 86.2, you're seeing the difference between median and average at that point. Also noticeable is the fact that the average size of the U.S. households has been falling steadily for the past 70 years or more. And it was 2.54 persons in 2017 slightly uh, up slightly from 2.53 in 2016 the record low the uh, 2.54 average numbers per household last year was down by 0.5 persons from the uh, 2.94 average in 1975 so there's one half of a person less in every household over the course of basically call it uh, 40 years so that would Count the uh, kids, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. So there's 
So the average household has a little less expense then. That's the idea. Right. Is that you now have a record amount of money coming into households for just about you know just about a record few uh, the least amount of people. Well, I could tell you that every house is paying more in taxes in property tax probably than it ever has because there's rarely a such thing as property tax you know going down. I know in a little town I went I I, I live in the property tax mills increased by 20 percent yeah i think 2019 i think you're right and that schools now uh schools just cost more and more and more and well that's because at one point you know they're they're giving numbers here from 1947 when there was uh 3.56 people per household in 1947 you didn't have a situation where everybody's a special needs kid and everybody has the right to education the special needs kids were, were either educated with everybody or they were so far gone that they weren't educated with anybody. Yeah, like for example, there there isn't a short bus. In fact, the short bus is for a couple of normal kids who live in a far far right. end of town. I rode the short bus to school because I lived way out east, and they had to drag us. There's only like but three of us today. There's so many kids with a special need and the autism a- epidemic. I mean, I I was just listening to something about one of these school board things, and they were talking about the aut- the autistic kids. Uh, you know, cost like ah. Uh, sixty thousand dollars per year or something I, but basically that was what made like the 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 school district where yeah. i am twenty thousand dollars per student uh per, per year yeah and i and i'm like and people well, are like oh that's crazy and they're like oh the special needs and but the, there's more autistic kids than there's ever been i don't know if there, i don't know if there is or isn't but i can tell you this they the government bureaucrats definitely know that reclassifying somebody as special needs gets them more money absolutely parents know that reclassifying their child as special needs gets them more teacher attention yep uh i mean i don't know how children would what what voice they would have or how they would benefit but the people who have control over the money and control over the spending understand the taxpayer has no voice there's no way to say well let's take a let's do a taxpayer review of all these kids and see who really is special needs i mean you'd be thrown in the gulag for something like that 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live, or use our Discord lines at discord.freetalklive.com. Download the app there, Free Talk Live. Are you concerned that liberty, free market economics, and the values that made America great are no longer taught in schools? Well, so am I. So I got my son the Tuttle Twins children's book series. My name is Jack, and I'm 11 years old, and I just started the Tuttle Twins. So far, I have learned that some people can use the government to ruin the economy and destroy people's businesses. Give all the young people in your life a chance at reason and clear thought, because they're not going to get it at school. There are nine books in the series, and each one teaches a set of ideas that children aren't getting elsewhere. Go to TuttleTwins.com and use coupon code FTL to get 40% off. Again, that's TuttleTwins.com. Yeah! It's Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. We're talking about, well, the fictitious... Growing income inequality. Numbers here from the Foundation for Economic Education. They're uh, putting together, well, all the numbers that they, the United States government releases and just finding that most of this stuff is just hooey. But something that's not hooey, Jay, is uh, we're going to Fork Fest yes, next week. Yes, we are. 
Yeah, I think it's Thursday that uh, it starts and goes through the 13th through the 18th. And it's a decentralized camping event in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Lots of things going on. Jay, you're going to be doing uh, some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I'm going to be doing uh, what I call man camp. Uh, my goal is to restore confidence in mankind. And uh, my primary target is uh, kids. I want kids to uh, make things from iron, but uh, adults are certainly uh, welcome to come and uh, make things from iron also. You can make a beer bottle opener. You can make uh, coat hooks. There's I got a handful of different things that I'm going to take you step-by-step uh, step, uh, using a forge and a hammer and an anvil, just, just the way they were making stuff 200 years ago. And it's going to be a great event. Please come on out. All you have to do, go to the website. It's forkfest.party. You can either bring out a, an RV and camp in that. You can bring your tent. Uh, whatever it is, whatever fashion you wish to camp, all you have to do to participate is show up and pay for your campsite. There's no tickets or anything like that. And you could do what you want. I know some people are setting up food. Jay, you're setting up your, your foraging equipment, doing man camp, and there's a whole variety of things going on. It's our third year of uh, this decentralized libertarian event. It's uh, nothing's official, no one's in charge, and there's no tickets. You decide what you want to do. June 13th through the 18th at Rogers Campground, Porcupine Freedom Festival is going to follow us up, and you can connect with us at ForkFest. That's ForkFest.party. And a note for everybody, uh, if you want to just tent, uh, that's the most economic way to go. Uh, Rogers is uh, it's a, like a full-service campground. It's actually, I think it's a very nice campground. Uh, so, you know, they have showers and bathrooms, you know, kind of all over the place. And what they do is, um, you know, if you go, you go take a shower and everybody else is, you know, the water might not be that warm. But uh, it's all there. So it's, it's definitely not roughing it by any means. And they also have motel rooms there. Yeah, they have, yeah, they have motel rooms you can rent, too. That's absolutely true. Let's go on with the article here from the Foundation for Economic Education. So they're, they've proven that median incomes are going up, average incomes are going up, and income adjusted for household size is calculated and presented below. And they've got some charts here, which makes this a little more difficult, but I, I can paint a picture. I can make it easy for you. It should be obvious that a comparison of median household incomes over time is distorted because the average size of the U.S. households has been declining. It's almost important to note that the almost as important to note that the typical U.S. household in 2017 had an annual income of uh, twelve thousand four hundred and sixty four dollars more in 2017 dollars than the typical household did in 1975. So doing better. We're always told, hey, you know, in the 60s, 70s, 50s, whatever the time frame it was, a man could support a family and you know just in one household, and that's true. But things. There, you know, lots of things sucked about that household compared to things today. They didn't have flat screen TVs. They didn't have uh, cell phones. They didn't have. Uh, yeah, they didn't have the uh, the weapons of mass distraction quite as extreme. I mean, they still had televisions, and you know, people still just sat around and ate Cheetos, but their Cheetos didn't have Roundup in them. Uh, you know, and watched their uh, TVs. But uh, you know, how much more debt? Uh, how much more money is in the economy today yeah. versus then? Uh, that's a number that uh, debts. Um, yeah, so, that's really. I mean, if your expenses are more and your income's more, does it really matter? In the year two thousand and five, right before the big collapse, yep, Americans spent more than they made. That's not what the government did. That's right. what human beings did with credit cards, and we're getting to the point where we're just about ready to tip that over again. So. If you believe 
that there's an association between recessions and Americans' frivolous spending, then dun, 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 walk it into it, folks. So I listen to pretty much uh, LRN.FM and RT and Al Jazeera and some various uh, you know libertarian-type podcasts. And I hear on all those outlets in the past, I don't know, couple years I've heard um, something like half of Americans don't have $500 for an emergency until their next paycheck. And I also know a lot of people like folks that are my age I went to school with uh, that have uh, literally are in that particular situation, but they have these really nice houses. Uh, they have, you know, they have two car payments, husband and wife car payments. Yep. The, 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 the kids, one of my buddies just bought his kid like a iPhone, I don't know, $900. I don't remember. I'm like, what? Hey, your, your kid's six. I, I mean, I was right. just, I a wanted laptop, to slap him. A laptop is 250 bucks at Walmart, but you got to buy a brand new iPhone. It's crazy. I, I wanted to slap him. He's a good friend of mine. I could have got away with slapping him <laughs> uh, it, because it, well, you bought a 16 year old kid, like a $900 phone, it, which I just thought was utterly ridiculous. And, and, he, and he's talking, but he's talking about how like, you know, he's like struggling and I'm like, oh, you want to drop that cable bill? You know, he pays his cable internet. It's like 180 bucks. I'm like, well, you can just get cable for 50 bucks a month. I mean, internet 50 bucks a month, right? And the thing is, is the expenses are just insane. Right. We went at my household. We went through in 2000 and I think it was about 2008. We decided that we were going to go through every bill that we had and determine what we absolutely had to have and what we absolutely didn't have to have. And we cut a bunch of them out, including cutting the cord, and I've never added it back. Basically, we got away with uh, Amazon for $9 a month. I think that's, uh, I think Amazon Prime was a little less than that before, but now it's effectively $9 a month, and you get all this programming, which is sufficient for my household, and you know that's it. Plus, you get uh, the, the expedited shipping and all that stuff. Let's go to Sarah calling in from New Mexico. Albuquerque. She's going to make sure you know that. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Yes, uh, breaking news. Uh-oh. Uh, breaking news. The Rite Aid, uh, starting now, will only sell cigarettes to 21 years or older. Didn't you tell us so this a few it? weeks ago? I remember you, I'm pretty sure I remember you hearing me, I remember you talking about uh, Rite Aid's not, um, you know, this is only, or oh no, I thought you said Rite Aid wasn't even selling cigarettes or CVS or one of them. One of them, CVS isn't. Oh, okay. So now Rite Aid is at the 21 year old mark. Well, that's cool. Yeah, right. So, and then I, Walmart and Sam's Club, they're going to start in July. Starting, you know, starting July, they're only going to sell to 21. And then while going, they're going to start in September. And, you know, I'm totally okay with that. Uh, these are, uh, you know, private corporations. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, if if they want to deny service to somebody for any reason whatsoever, I don't care what it is. I feel they should have the right to do it, whether it's based on age, gender, um, you know, or skin color or the way you look or the goofy hat you wear. I mean, they should be able to discriminate for any reason whatsoever. So well, good if, for them. If they, um, I would probably not support them in their uh, discrimination if it was for any other reason than age. But I think I can get behind. Walmart and Rite Aid and Sam's Club and whomever choosing not to sell to people 21 over. I wish they just wouldn't sell tobacco products, period. I, I got a friend, uh, he went to the local liquor store because his mom's a bad alcoholic, and he's like, 
dude, please don't sell my mom booze. And here's her, and, he's, and they're like, no, nah, we're going to keep on selling it to her. And, oh, your mom's a sweet lady. We like her, you know. But, yep. <laughs> yeah, so. Sure. Well, it's hard to get the uh, drug dealer to stop selling the drugs. It is. So I got to applaud them on that. Sarah, thanks for the call. Breaking news, in fact. <laughs> numbers 855-450-3733. It's 855-450. Free is in Free Talk Live. This article here from the Foundation for Economic Education is basically saying that, well, Americans are making more money than they've ever made before from a household standpoint, and we're going to show how individually they're doing better than they ever have before. And there's more money in the economy than there's ever been before. <laughs> 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. Call in. Talk about whatever's on your mind. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Jay. Jay, let's go to the phone lines here real quick. Let's go to Kenneth calling in from Colorado. Kenneth, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Well, good evening. I um, got back to the office today from my lunch uh, to find out that my YouTube account was suspended. Oh my! What'd you do? Video. Yeah. Well, it was a video that I put up. I, I'm presuming because they didn't actually, they don't actually tell you. You're familiar with that. Yeah, they're, they're not very, they're not very forthcoming. Yeah, you don't get an operator when you call that number, do you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seems like they don't want a legal challenge, which is why they're cagey. That's my guess. Um, but. Uh, in this case, it was probably about a video that I posted 10-plus years ago. You may recall when Obama was running for president, and he suggested the idea of national service for everyone. Yep. And John McCain, and, too, who, whom he was running against. Exactly. And I found another YouTube video of Adolf Hitler. I believe he was... Um, uh, giving a speech to Hitler youth, and uh, I posted it and explained that this is what becomes of national service programs like this, and I entitled it The Original Service Nation. So I believe this was probably the one. Well, about three months ago, I started getting uh, advisories from YouTube saying that in various countries, my video wouldn't be shown because it has offensive material, um, then um, I thought, well, you know, sucks for those countries, and it's a lot of them, including the U.K. and Australia and, no, not Australia, Austria, France, and various other countries with lesser provisions for free speech. And, and of course, the uh, ominous... Uh, policies that have been coming down the last year or so how many views did this uh, video of yours have what's that? oh you know i don't know i couldn't even tell you now because i can't access my account any ideas um no i don't it couldn't be that many tens of thousands i think it was probably thousands no not even that thousands i think it was probably um fewer than a couple hundred maybe oh wow and i'm I'm thinking some algorithm caught it because there's apparently a, a tube apocalypse 
going on today. Oh, yeah. Where uh, supposed hate speech has been uh, flagged for immediate uh, suspension without notice. Uh, well, not, not without prior notice. Okay. Um, because I got what appears to be a boilerplate email today. And again, I'm just presuming what it could have been because that's the only thing I've ever heard from them about. And again, they didn't say it was a strike against my account or it was any takedown video or anything like that. They just said that, uh, you know, that certain countries wouldn't be, would block it. And so um, that's what happened. And uh, I posted the account on Twitter, the, I don't want to use the word account because that's confusing. I, I posted the issue on Twitter and apparently thousands of other people have been uh, summarily, uh, they say suspended, but they don't tell you for how long. And you're supposed to just send in this um, appeal, they call it. Now, are you suspended? they respond to it. Are you suspended? That, are you suspended or do they just take down your video? No, the, the account is, is suspended. I can't log in. Okay, okay. Well, and uh, this is... It's this interesting that they would. A lot of people. They wouldn't give you any kind of uh, warning, and then you're suspended. Well, they would be. The, the 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 really funny thing is, before when they sent the video, the uh, the uh, uh, notices about the the only video I ever heard anything about, they said what video it was, and they didn't even say this. They didn't even say that this time. Yeah. So I can't tell them. Well, look at the video. It's obvious. They're not going to look at the video. Read the comments. (laughs) They're hundred. There's, you know, millions of videos are taken down in a day. They're not going to look at any of them. They're just covering their butts or, you know, doing their, uh, doing their best to do their whole shtick or whatever it is they're doing. I mean, I don't know if they're doing it to protect themselves or doing it because that's their, uh, their, their politics. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I suspect. It's a combination of covering their butts for all these Europe policies and all that, and having a leftist bias. Because hey, let's let's not kid ourselves. There have been a lot of conservative and libertarian accounts that have been, shall we say, messed with over the last three or four years. I wonder so if anybody's about that. Anybody's compared? I'm sure that some people have compared Trump to Hitler. And if they have, I wonder what they've met uh, today. Well, I know a lot of accounts uh, like uh, Taryn Lupo, uh, who's an activist here in New Hampshire, and he uh, is a YouTuber, and it really uh, messed him up financially when they uh, demonetized his account and they, oh, yeah. you know, demonetized like uh, just like pretty much everybody that I've know of that's in the you know that's got a libertarian or an anarchist voice. Yep. Um, you know. Uh, Ernie Hancock on his show Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock in the morning uh, is um, every week has several people say oh yeah we were doing this and getting good money and YouTube demonetized us and YouTube deplatformed us and you know and then they you know go on to other ones and you know they're just not able to get the revenue income like you know YouTube was thrown out there for them yep well I was lucky not to have that problem um but, yeah, um, you were making a, a living know. off of a, a video with a few hundred uh, views on it. Yeah, it's it's just not right, smart to be to be like uh, financially dependent on YouTube. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, cool if you can make a lot of money off it, but man, if that becomes your your, your like lifeline, I I I just think it's very risky. 
I have read that even China has been leading on leaning on um, what do they call themselves now? They call themselves platforms to uh, discipline people who are posting things that are uh, offensive to China. And um, this is how free speech dies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, regular news outlets, not just the fringe ones. So well, well all, all, all these big uh, internet moguls are essentially. In some form or another, government subsidized. You know, they're they've you know they're in bed with others and and whatnot. Well, I don't disagree with that, but I think that largely people are responsible for this. I go to YouTube and I watch videos because it's the easiest place to consume the videos I want to watch. Sure, and um, you know, I I go on Facebook and sometimes I read comments. I I always regret it. Sometimes I make comments and and then I really regret that. But uh, you know, I mean, it's it's something that we just sort of do. If we all and any any plan that starts to us, if we will all uh, stinks. But if we all just well, abandon these things, well, you abandon them. Yeah, I can't find any good blacksmithing. So bad, I wouldn't even get an account. You know, because, I mean, you hear so many complaints about Facebook, yep. I decided it didn't even want to count. Yeah, I can't find any, like, really good blacksmithing videos on, like, DLive or right. the, the, like, alternatives. And, like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm you know coming up for a curriculum for man camp and, you know, like, things to teach little kids and stuff that are simple and easy. And I just I just waste a lot of time just trying these alternatives. And it's just, just like, and then you just find such great videos on YouTube, and these guys just do such a good job with. I mean, the There's, quality is so good on it, some of this it's, stuff. It's truly an interesting libertarian markets question because how do we do? How do we fix this? I don't know, but it's largely. I don't want to ask government to fix it; they'll just screw it up worse. Same yeah. way we fix government, right? Internet's largely free market, mm-hmm. and somehow you've got Google and YouTube and stuff that rises to the top there. And you know, while we're talking about videos we like on YouTube, there's this. Uh, I've been watching this German engineer, like it's called the Slingshot Channel, and he makes I don't know stuff that shoots stuff, and it's all pretty awesome. And and the dude's just he's got this laugh. <laughs> I think he made this, uh, you know garbage can with like razor blades on the edge and like launches it from a catapult it's amazing stuff to see and then he you know laughs every time uh, something fun happened <laughs> and it's just terrifying he's like uh you know Speak, some, some guy from a shooting stuff you see the guy uh, made in poland he does all these cool things with like chainsaws and he welds and then he's got a, a buddy of his that makes um uh, uh slingshots that he runs them with uh, cordless drills and they're like rapid fire, like automatic assault slingshots, and, awesome. he, sh- and he shows you how to build them. And all you need is a cordless drill. Kenneth, tell me how it uh, goes, how your account gets unfrozen later. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the platform. Yep. And yeah, I, sh- I-, I sure will. Free Talk Live won't deplatform you, unless, well, I suppose uh, if you threaten people, <laughs> then that's going to be a real problem. I, uh, which no, which no. we have the right to do. Yeah, that's the thing is is that I'm not going to come out against these companies' right to deplatform you. I'm going to come out against you using them, and but I use them too, so it's hard to be too sanctimonious. Yeah, it's to users that give it all life. Same thing with government. If you use it, it's going to rule you. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's eight fifty five four fifty free. As in Free Talk Live. 
Would you like to hang out with Penn Gillette? He's keynoting Freedom Fest this year. I, for one, am thrilled. Freedom Fest is the largest liberty-oriented gathering in the world. They take a big tent approach with libertarians, conservatives, liberals, anarchists, capitalists, and just open-minded people mingling together to hear real debates, share real solutions, and converse freely. This year's theme is the Wild West, a time of liberty and opportunity, or a time of anarchy and violence. Maybe both. Go to freedomfest.com FTL and get your tickets now. Now, freedomfest.com slash FTL. Not convinced yet? Hey, I understand. It's a high-end event. Even with coupon code FTL50. Sure, you're likely to receive investment advice that'll make that sum seem paltry. But I have something special for you. Go to freedomfest.com slash FTL and you'll get the five best speeches from last year for free. Call it a test drive. Do yourself a favor and go to freedomfest.com slash FTL. Freedomfest.com slash FTL. Use coupon code FTL50 for a discount. Kicking off the second hour of Free Talk Live, it's Mark with you. And Jay. You can call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. We're talking about this article from the Foundation for Economic Education about, well, how the income gap that we've been told so much about is basically a myth. It's, you know, certainly it was happening during like 2008 to 2013, but more or less it's turned around since then. And households are having higher incomes than ever and income and households are smaller than ever, meaning that people are having even higher incomes. So going on here, when you consider the cost of most manufactured goods and many services, including clothing, footwear, appliances, electronics, TVs, household furnishings, sporting goods, airline travel, telephone service, computers, automobiles, they've become cheaper and more affordable over time. This obviously doesn't include things like housing, uh, fuel, and uh, food. And those are important. And I think most households spend a lot on those, if not most of their I wonder if it includes um, medical care, because that's not like uh, health insurance, you know, this Obamacare thing. I I hear a lot of people like, I pay thousands of dollars i mean i don't participate in that program so i don't know what it costs but i pay thousands of dollars a year for for my health care and there's a you know and if i need something there's i don't know five thousand it's like it's like useless insurance basically for you know almost everybody the deductible's so high so i think that's a that's just become a wicked expense for the average american that's actually working and you know you know producing and earning income not not someone who's obviously living off the you know, dull. But many of these uh, things, I mean, all these things people use, and the fact that they've become less expensive means that we have more wealth in our pockets to spread around. Let's see, along with the increased availability of services that are now almost free, GPS, music, cameras, Craigslist listings, Wikipedia information, Facebook, Twitter, blogs. Wikipedia is a good point. I mean, imagine what, remember what parents used to pay for the Cyclopedia Britannica set? Well, I, 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 I sympathize or, or cannot agree greatly with the whole uh, Craigslist thing. So when I was 13 years old, I started brokering hay for my uncle and my grandfather. And when, in 1995, I was 15 years old. I had uh, spent um, something like six or $7,000 just on advertising. And I was advertising in all these uh, horse magazines yep. and these uh, New England, ad, uh, you know, want advertiser and like, Pennies, pinchers, and all that uh, stuff. And then, and then my phone bill, because 
there was no, you know, long distance. And it was, you know, a phone I had at home because I didn't have a cell phone then. Actually, I got a cell phone in 98. But uh, my phone bill was like, with the long distance, I mean, I was really happy if it was less than 150 bucks or even 200 bucks at that time. And um, and I kept records of this all because kind of the deal I made with my uncles, uh, you know, because I sold hay for them. is like, listen, you guys are going to pay my expenses. And then they, you know, paid. Uh, and that's the only reason I know. And the only reason I remember this is cleaning out my mom's house a couple of years ago. I found these things. I was like, wow. I spent like $6,000 in 1995 on advertising. And today I just type on a computer. Average and median household income adjusted for uh, household size, both average and median income per person in the U.S. reached all-time highs in 2017 of nearly $34,000 in 2017 dollars for the average income per person and $24,160 for the median income per household member last year. That's compared to 1975. The average household income in the U.S. per member has increased from uh, by 74% from 19500 to 34000 while median uh, household income per person has increased by 45%. And these are the uh, $2017. It says right here on the chart, in $2017, more or less, you have twice the spending power that you did in 1975. So I looked up some stuff. Uh, national debt. You know, as of today, I don't know what it was in 2017, but because uh, I just looked at today's, it was $22.3 trillion. And then in 1975, the national debt was $533 billion, essentially half a trillion. Now, that half a trillion, is, uh, the debt today versus 1975 is roughly 42 times greater. Yeah. I don't know how to convert that into a percentage. Maybe some mathematician can, like, you know, call up and explain this to me. That'd be cool. But, uh, you know, I I mean, the way I feel about this is I've just been paying attention to this financial policy literally my entire adult life, you know, over 20 years now. And, uh, you know, th- the money doesn't ever disappear. It, it gets spread out and it just becomes less value per unit of exchange yep. per dollar uh, as it is just getting injected and pumped in. And not only is this happening. The easiest thing to look at that with is silver or gold. And I think and they're manipulated, they too. Oh, they are. You know? Uh, well, if you look at a loaf, loaf of bread, I was just talking about how a loaf of bread right. in, I think it was about 1998, mm-hmm. when I started paying attention to such things. Which the bread, that bread was subsidized yeah, sure. at that time also. So that's actually a good indicator for subsidized bread in 1998 versus subsidized you know, wheat today, basically. Right. And a loaf of bread then was 99 cents, and now it's about three bucks. I haven't changed the kind of bread that I eat. My much to my wife's chagrin, she wants me to eat the uh, you know the Ezekiel bread with all the little nuts and granules in it. And you things like I that. love that bread; that is my favorite. You are a better eater than I am. I, I just got to say that I, it's not that I won't eat those other breads. It's just that if I go to the store and I buy something, that's what I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy the yeah. Nature's Harvest split top wheat or uh, white. Well, wheat that, or that's cool. So you're not buying like you know Wonder Bread. It's uh, it's only a step up. It, but I mean, Wonder Bread is just a little more white trashy. You know, I, I mean, it is the white trashiest. I, I mean, when I see people buying the Wonder Bread and they're like, you know, um, and, and you know, and their eight year old kid is, you know, weighs as much as I do almost, and they're very large, and you know, and they're piling on, you know, cans cases of soda in their cart. I'm like, oh man, setting them up for diabetes. Yeah, it's uh... and everything else. 
Well, you know, so many eating habits are set so early on, and yeah, it's important. Yeah, that's why I don't believe a lot of these health diseases are uh, hereditary. I believe they're environmental because you know. Well, they're in hereditary. You eat just like your parents usually. That yeah, but it's 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 hereditary whether you gain the knowledge from them or gain the genes from them. Uh, it's, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're still getting getting it from there. You know, parents that are overweight tend to have children that are overweight. Sure. And if you go from not being over if even if your parents weren't and you go to being overweight then you start the cycle too with your kids and you know it's, it's rough anyway the the so they've got bring in another chart here which shows the real median family income for u.s married couples with both spouses working that doesn't mean that it's just two people it's both spouses working the chart above shows annual median income from 1949 to 2017 for families Excuse me. Uh, by families with uh, married couples and both spouses are working. Income for a typical family in this group reached an all-time high last year of eleven, one hundred and eleven thousand dollars. And the median family income for this group of Americans has been above a hundred thousand dollars in twenty seventeen dollars for the last five years since nineteen forty nine. The real inflation adjusted median income for married couples with two earners has more than tripled from thirty four thousand eight hundred. And um, and since uh, 1963, more than doubled. So this whole the me- the middle class is disappearing thing. If it's not happening for you, if it's happening for you, then it seems very real. But it's not happening on the aggregate. It is, if it is happening to you, I you know I'm I'm sorry that it's it's happening, but it doesn't mean people do move through the strata of what they call quintiles. So sure, uh, and some people. <laughs> they were in the lowest quintile. They worked their way up to the highest quintile. They uh, there are other people. They were in the highest quintile, and they didn't. They their parents because they were in the highest quintile. Their parents didn't treat the teach them how to manage money properly, and they make it down to the lowest quintile. And people move in between these quintiles all the time. That doesn't mean that the economy is tanking. It's not. You know, when it comes to um, income gap, uh, you, you know, I I think of uh, a guy I my dad was buddies with. He used to do some manufacturing in China, and he'd be like, wow. You know, the, the income gap is huge in China. He says it's the only place in the world where you'll see a guy hauling his, you know, goods to market with a donkey. Right. And, you know, a $200,000 Ferrari pulls up next to him yeah. in the intersection. <laughs> it's, mean, it's a crazy time. Yeah. And, uh, well, I hope we're not seeing that anytime soon in the United States. 855-450-3733. Love to hear your input on this because I'm sure you've been reading the same stories I have and hearing the same news. 855-450 free as in free talk live free talk live you can call in talk about what's on your mind it's mark with you and jay 855-450-3733 it's 855-450 free as in freedom i want to tell you about cryptocurrency wire If you're trying to reach the crypto market or perhaps you want to spread mass awareness of your crypto technology, either way, you need a communications company that specializes in the field, leveraging 35 plus different brands, part of the investor brand network and more than 5,000 downstream distribution partners. Cryptocurrency Wire combines the power of specialization with mass market reach. And with their help, you can start connecting with crypto-friendly journalists and more than 
1.6 million followers. Their commitment is to uh, get the most eyes possible on your big news while it's fresh. Domestic, international. They can reach 56 different countries and also provide translation services. Even if your company is an uh, is important and relevant uh, newsmaker, you, can, you need someone that specializes in the field to get your message heard. CryptocurrencyWire.com. We've used them on Free Talk Live, and we've had success. They, they broke the uh, Jinja Uganda orphanage news for us, and I know we got two legit news articles out of that. And that's that's exciting <laughs> here. Uh, CryptocurrencyWire.com. Part, the, the angle, because it's cryptocurrency, was we had used uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash to do the fundraising there. So we had some uh, and a cryptocurrency angle. And that was uh, what what made them want to work with us. It's always nice when you can fundraise with uh, cryptocurrency. I just always encourage people to just not use this war dollar. I mean, for whenever you can. Yeah, it, uh, it has a lot of uh, benefits, especially you can get it over there very quickly. It's a heck of a tr- trouble getting a bank wire over there, and cryptocurrency made it a lot easier. We hear all, uh, going back to the fee article here, Foundation for Economic Education, we hear all the time about the rising income inequality in America. There are more than 100,000 Google search results uh, for that term. About the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer or stagnant or disappearing middle class, all the recent income gains going to the rich, the lack of income mobility, and other narratives of pessimism. The rich are really easy to pick on, especially if, you know, you need headlines and, you know, you have all these college kids that have debt and, you know, you got to, I mean, my generation doesn't want to work. The generation after me doesn't want to work even more. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So if they can, you know, if they can find a headline that they identify with, you know, and or a topic, and even if it's wrong, they love running with it. Yeah, I'm not sure I could even work at the rate that I did when I was, say, 28 or something like that. But if I did, you'd have to pay me. Like, it's real, something really serious to get out there and do that kind of physical labor. So I, I feel you. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are getting subsidies or checks or disability or whatever that could work and and another thing is too is like uh when i was in denver outside denver colorado uh i mean if you could like pass a whiz quiz you know you you didn't smoke cannabis and you you had like a cdl and go work for any trucking company did like all the oil guys you know they were starting those guys at like 35 40 bucks an hour uh welders uh a, a kid I'm good friends with still, he's you know making like sixty eight bucks an hour, and all he shows up with is is his gloves and his welding helmet, and they actually bought him his boots. They want him to have a specific pair of boots. I mean, and then you go downtown Denver and Boulder, and there's these homeless people. But literally, like all of them I had talked to, they had a, a big psychological issue, whether it was drug induced or alcohol induced or something else you you could you know you could tell when someone's just like not functioning correctly and sure. that's kind of what i noticed about uh the homeless guys and then some of the guys that were down there were like they were yeah i'm just trying to get back to boston or back to california and they weren't hanging around but you know they're like yeah I didn't, they didn't have anything for me at job corps today so i'm out here you know panhandling and I, once i get a few hundred bucks gathered up i'm buying another i'm buying a Grand. bus ticket to uh I don't know, Kansas City or whatever, you know, the next, you know, they were just kind of banging around and, yep. you know, but and those guys, but they're also young kids. There's a lot of like people that were, you know, fifties and their sixties that 
They weren't wrapped tight. And so it, so it's really hard to judge that demographic. Uh, you know, these right. a, a lot of the homeless people are. It's it's um, you know, it's not because they can't find a job. It's just because they can't keep it together. Right. You know, you know, from what I I can tell. And that's a shame. I, I, I wonder to myself if people were more financially incentivized to keep things together, how many more would be able to do it? And I don't know the answer to that. But, you know, we've always had. You know, kings of the road, right? The the travelers that would, mm-hmm. you know, they just, you know, well, they just really weren't cut out for work or whatever. Sure, but I I don't know. I can tell you this: I we read an article this week about beg packers. These are young people who are traveling the world and they're in these major cities. Oh like yeah, I, I I heard it. Yeah, Bangkok and whatever, and they're panhandling or selling pictures of their tours or whatever you know have asking you to basically do a patreon for their backpacking trip and i'm like wow you got some guts to go to somebody else's country and panhandle on the street the the, the funniest scenario i ever heard of is there's a guy um i probably can say his name but i'm not gonna but uh he's uh what he would do is he would drive his pickup truck to a really busy intersection i-25 north of colorado right outside right about around fort collins and he he had a little homestead he lived on, and he was a machinist, and this guy could weld, and he had a bunch of the tools, and he was like handy dude, and he was just done with work. He was done with the man, and he, he was all dreaded up. He had a braided beard, and he would get out there and hula hoop. <laughs> and if anybody drives uh, south of Fort, I guess, yeah, it'd be south of Fort Collins on I-25, they know exactly who I'm talking about. And he would have a garbage can out there, and it had, uh, and he'd throw a couple of big rocks in it, plastic Rubbermaid can, and people would literally like he would have a half a bucket full of change and all kinds of one dollar bills, and he just beat his hippie dude hula hooping on the side you, of the road. How can you on an interstate? No, it was at it was at a uh, intersection. Um, it was at an exit. Okay, and there's no tolls or nothing. It was right at, about to stop, and he would just be out there, and the cops never bothered him. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. We could pretty drag funny. off the, the hippie hula hooping. Um, let me go on here with the uh, the speech. Let's see, on December 13, President Obama described rising income inequality as the defining challenge of our time and promised that for the rest of his presidency, he and his administration would focus all their efforts to stop the increase of income inequality. And yet, the data in today's Census Bureau tell a much different story. To, uh, let's see, the chart that they reference here above uh, shares the total income. Uh, earned by the top 20% and the top 5% of the U.S. households from 1993 to 2017. And in 1993, 48.9%, so basically 50% of total income went to the top quintile of U.S. earners. So 20% of people earned 50% of the money. And 24 years later, uh, the income of the top 20% of households has increased only by basically uh, one point, let's see, 2%. So... It hasn't really changed. Right now, in 1993, the top 20% made 48.9%, so 49%. And in uh, this year, 2017, according to this, they made 51.5%. So you're really not talking about much more than two ticks here, 2.5, 2. 2.6% more of the economy that the top 20% is clawing away from the rest of us, I guess. And That's I think nothing. I think the biggest problem we got now is just an ever-expanding government. Oh, yeah. The government's definitely taking as much as they can get. 855-450-3733. I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at edge.app. 
Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet. Talk live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. We're talking about Census Bureau financial data and all kinds of stuff. We're basically debunking the notion that income inequality is a thing. It was a thing for about five years in America. There's no doubt it was increasing. But that doesn't mean just because it did it for five years that it's gone on forever. Well, I mean, increasing, you, you like you see these things like the price of oil just collapsed today and, you know, oil falls like 0.002%, you know, it drops a dollar fifty or something or 38 cents is like, you know, headline crap. It, it, it's just what it is. I mean, if you, if you want to hustle, I mean, I'm a guy that doesn't have a social security number doesn't have a driver's license. Uh, nobody's got a harder time going to get a job than a white guy, you know, without, um, you know, not can't, that's not going to fill out a W whatever form, you know. And it couldn't be any harder if you just refuse to uh, fill out their forms, right? And, uh, well, was, I can't. I don't have, I can't fill in some of these things and I'm not going to participate. I'm not putting a social security number on there. You know what? Right. You could go out and get a social security number tomorrow sure. if you wanted one, but you're not going to. I've never, ever applied for a job in my life. Right. I never had to. They always come to me. and That's because you bring skills to the marketplace so, and, and a work ethic. So when people whine about, oh, I can't get it, I, I just, you're, you're lazy if you can't get a job. I don't care who you are. You can learn a skill. Yeah, you know, and you it's can hard get a to job. tell a guy who's uh, made his own way without a social security number that, uh, that you can't get a job, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I got I, I got four or five at any one time. So no reason you can't get one. I've met a lot of guys who are immigrants uh, to this country, and they're so amused by people who say they can't get a job. Oh yeah, like if like, you're willing to do it, you can get a job. Almost every uh, you know so-called illegal I worked with in Colorado, um, when they were working with me, I was one of their several jobs. They were. They're like, oh yeah, people hire me. You know, you basically, if you can speak a little English and and, and you're a Spanish fella, uh, you're going to get all kinds of work. I'm a convicted felon, walked out, and I haven't walked out of prison. I haven't been without a job. Uh, you know, about, without gainful employment. How's that? Or gainful uh, uh, you know, vocation? Sure. Like I've worked myself, and that's why I don't know exactly how to say it. Right. I worked for myself, and I worked for my family for a little while. Um, and but there's never been a moment. And I've worked for big corporations like clear channel and outback steakhouse so you can't say that it's not possible i've worked for both of them and well i've never been without work for more than two weeks yeah and and a lot of it has come to is uh you know you don't have to have a new pair of shoes you don't have to have a shiny car um you know it, you don't have to waste your money on right you don't stuff. have to keep up with the joneses bitcoin.com is your premier source for everything Bitcoin Cash related. Bitcoin.com can help you to choose a Bitcoin Cash wallet, buy Bitcoin Cash, and uh, show you where you can spend your Bitcoin Cash. You can read the latest news for about cryptocurrency, engage with the community 
on their forums. You can learn more at Bitcoin.com. This website truly is the one-stop shop for everything crypto-related, and cryptocurrency is getting a lot more press right now. Now may be, be the time. I uh, the, Some of the funds that I help manage are pretty heavy, heavily into Bitcoin Cash because I think that that's the one that's going to, you know, over time rise above the rest. And Bitcoin.com does too. They just launched local.bitcoin.com. Ian is supposed to give me a review of it here in the near future, but I don't know what exactly his, uh, uh, his experience has been, but he's excited about it. Local.bitcoin.com. I could tell you my uh, customers that pay me in crypto uh, past six months, uh, I've pretty much been exclusively Bitcoin Cash because uh, it's just it's easier to use, you know, especially when you, you know when the um, Bitcoin Cash fee is like less than a penny, and the Bitcoin fee is you know two, three, four dollars, and, and and then the transaction times is long with with, with Core and Bitcoin Cash is just oh I'm going to send you Bitcoin and you know before, next time I look at my phone it's there faster, less yep. costly. Um, you know, something you can rely Send on. Send you Bitcoin Cash. I mean, next time I look at my phone, is there. One guy sent me Bitcoin Core about three weeks ago, and it was um, it was in the afternoon, and I looked at the phone at like 8 o'clock at night, and it wasn't there yet, and I, I trust the guy. Bit. Yeah. And next morning, it was there. Great. Uh, but, you know. It often will clear overnight. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't make you feel any better while you're waiting. So here we go. Well, back to this article from the Foundation for Economic Education. Whether we look at Census Bureau data on the share of total income going to the top fifth and top five percent of American households or census data on Gini coefficients for the U.S. Uh, household income, there's very little statistical support for the commonly held view by the public, academia, and the mainstream media that income inequality has been rising in recent years or decades. A more accurate description of income inequality over the last several decades in the U.S. would be to say that it has been remarkably stable for the last 25 years, starting at about 1993. So why are we having a national debate about solutions on the non-problem of rising income inequality that doesn't even exist according to several standard Census Bureau measures? Because fake problems are easy to bicker over, <laughs> and it gets a lot of attention, and you know, it's uh, is, is, is good distraction. I mean, this media... I refer to the media as mushroom management, and uh, you know, you know how you grow a mushroom, right, Mark? Yeah, keep it in the dark and feed it bullcrap. That's right. That's right. So uh, they say that they they show a chart here of uh, earnings since the before 1970, and the chart above represents what might be one of the most important findings in the new census data and confirms a trend that i've highlighted many times before and that's uh the author here of the article i gotta scroll back up i don't remember his name off the top of my head it's um mark j perry and uh, like i've been reading articles from fee for some time and they all seem to come down to this but he says let's see uh Yes, the middle class is disappearing, as we hear all the time, but it's because middle-income households in the U.S. are gradually moving up to higher-income groups and not down into lower-income groups. In 1976, only 9% of U.S. households, only 1 in 11, earned $100,000 or more in 2017 dollars. So this is income-adjusted, or uh, inflation-adjusted. Last year, more than 1 in 4 households were in that income category, a new record high. In other words, over the last half century, the share of U.S. households in uh, earning incomes of $100,000 or more has 
more than tripled, and that's in inflation-adjusted dollars. At the same time, all of these have been inflation-adjusted dollars. I just want to keep on powering at home because people have learned to look for that. Uh, the share of medi- uh, middle-income households earning thirty-five to $100,000 in 2017 dollars has decreased over time from more than half of U.S. households in 1967 to less than uh, half in 2017. That means that the middle class is moving up, not down, as we've been told. So is the middle class shrinking? I I mean, obviously it could never shrink because the middle class is always going to be... Yeah, there'll the, always be some the, middle. It'll be the third quintile. But actually the median um, in that third quintile and the average both are going up over the course of the last five years and over the course of the past 25 years. There was a period in the recent past, in the past decade, when they were going down in the first half of the past decade. But that doesn't mean that they're always going down. Just because somebody could write a story and just because they keep saying it over and over again doesn't make it true. There's lots of things the media says that the media continues to parrot that just isn't true. There's lots of money out there. The Fed just keeps printing it every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, the money is still a representation of value, even though they're diluting it. Bottom line, here's some uh, the key takeaways from the new census report on U.S. incomes through 2017. The 1.8% gain in real median uh, U.S. household income last year brought median income to more than $61,000, the highest level ever recorded. The income gain in 2017 was the fifth annual increase and the first period of five consecutive increases in median household income since the 1990s. Compared to 1975, the typical U.S. household today has $12,000 more in annual income or more than $1,200 per month in real inflation-adjusted dollars to spend on goods and services, many of which has become much more affordable today than in the 1970s. And they need that to pay them taxes that keep rising. Yeah, the taxes are going to go up. There's a few more points here. You can find it at fee.org. We'll have it on the uh, Telegram feed. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Yeah, Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you. And Jay. Just finishing up that article there from fee.org about the mythical income inequality gap. And if you want to find our show prep, it's always available. You can go through our Twitter feed it's twitter.freetalklive.com if you want to find us, or at freetalklive on Twitter. You can go to a, join our Telegram group, telegram.freetalklive.com. Pretty much, you can our, our Facebook, we have lots of stories there, but we don't uh, feed stories to our Facebook from our show prep because Facebook is a crappy service that deprioritizes those things, and it hurts our uh, views and stuff like that. So Facebook's I- its own little world. I really like the uh, Telegram, uh, you know, chat line or whatever it is you guys have because a lot of times I get to look at Telegram and just I'll scroll through some of the articles and often I'll definitely uh, read a handful of them yep. uh, and, and and a lot of it's interesting and and I just like the Telegram platform uh, better than like uh, and I I've never used Twitter but I like it better than uh, Facebook anyways just. Because it's like it's more to the point. You don't have all the like advertising crap on there, yep. and you know and everybody's just, crappy opinion. Yeah, yeah, and you can just you know 
I, I tell the the Telegram thing. If you had, don't have the Telegram app, you should download it. Uh, Telegram, to- yeah, get the Telegram app and then go to telegram.freetalklive.com. We probably actually have a way for you to download the app right there too. And and it's just got a lot of great features. I I, I really like Telegram. Yep. So uh, next story here. So if you want to get the the stories we've read yesterday, today, yesterday, and well. Just going on back, you go to telegram.freetalklive.com or twitter.freetalklive.com. We've got it all there. But this news story from The Hill I think is interesting because we see that the Democratic presidential field is ramping up. There's two dozen candidates from which to choose at this point. And it does seem like there's a bit of a sort of old school Democrat versus the uh, new, younger more socialist Democrat seems to be the uh, the battle. I and you know I I love the entertainment value of the uh, Democrats and Republicans. I mean I can just like uh, uh, I can just troll the heck out of all of them, and I and and I think it's great. I mean the only guy I really like that's out there for the presidential uh, you know running this year is Vermin Supreme because. You know, his actual ideas of free ponies is like more realistic. <laughs> it is cheaper and, and 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 a lot makes a lot more sense. And all the other nonsense everyone else has been spewing on either side of the aisle. Free ponies would be cheaper than uh, than than Medicare for all. That's for sure. And, and Vermin told me that he might make me minister of ponies uh, if he becomes president because I've been in the horse business my whole life. So right. yeah, we're gonna have fun with it. It's going to be a real, uh, I mean, demand for ponies is going to go way up if the government's passing them out. To oh, yeah. Like, I'll probably jump back into the hay, bi- hay business even more and, you know, just have fun with it. A lot of people are going to get kicked. <laughs> Toes stepped on. They're going to get bit. You know, some ponies are mean. <laughs> Thehill.com. A fierce debate over socialism has erupted among Democrats with several centrist presidential Candidates warning the progressives uh, that progressive proposals, excuse me, on health care and the environment have been have dominated the primary or a surefire way to get President Trump reelected. Three low polling contenders. That's uh, uh, John Hickenlooper, Michael Bennett and uh, former Representative John Delaney are unloading on socialism or taking shots at Medicare for all and the Green New Deal, which have uh, gone mainstream in the Democratic Party since being embraced by Senator Sanders, uh, Warren, as well as uh, Representative uh, Ocasio-Cortez. The Green New Deal is nonsense from start to finish. Medicare for all, well, they could do that and it might be a solution to what we have today but what we have today is a problem caused by government intrusion into the medical sphere already yeah ron paul explains it so perfectly like back in um you know if you you youtube you know ron paul uh, on on medical crisis medicare crisis or healthcare crisis uh you know he's got some great explanations on you know from it from the inflation end of it from the regulation end and how like the government you know agrees via medicare to pay like a hundred dollars per aspirin you know when you're in the uh, hospital this is why you go to er and they give you two aspirins it costs two hundred dollars because because the fact that the government's just get, just passing out this money like they're printing it out of thin air to these you know hospitals and pharmaceutical and and everything it, it, it's just such a scam because of the regulation it's also worth pointing out that uh, when people don't want to be called socialists they uh, point out that uh, they're not socialists, and when they do want to be, but they do want all the good news behind socialist socialism. So socialism means state ownership of the means of production. 
Correct. Democratic socialism means, I don't know, people voting in leftist uh, social welfare policies. Well, dem- here's what I think democratic socialism means. It means that we privatize the profits and we socialize the losses. Yeah. And, and that's literally what's been happening. You know, what was this uh, tarnished at a TARP bailout that was when um, Obama was coming in and yep. and uh, was, uh, Bush was leaving? Bush was leaving, yeah. And so they were both pro TARP and it was like eight, it was $860 billion dollars. That was given. We thought that was big. That was given to to these banks, and it was and it was because of so many people couldn't pay their mortgages, and there is not an example of a single mortgage that was relieved, no, or or, or forgiven, right, or paid off. They what bailed a, out the banks, but they didn't yep. bail you out. So they 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 privatize the profits, and they socialize the um, so the big banks and and all the buddies of all the congressmen they kept all, all that money. They keep all the money, and then when when all the money when things go bad, they disperse it among the taxpayers. That's what democratic socialism is. Turns out, taxation's theft, huh? It, it is totally. Yeah. Hick and Looper and Delaney made waves with their warnings about socialism and Medicare for all at the California Democratic primary convention over the weekend in San Francisco, where they were booed mercilessly by the liberal crowd. Now they've become uh, targets for the party's energized left wing, including Ocasio-Cortez, who encouraged Delaney to sashay away from the race after he said that Medicare for all would result in hospital bankruptcies and cost one point, uh, excuse me, 150 million Americans access to health insurance. But the centrists are doubling down and warning that a leftward lurch toward socialism could cost Democrats the White House in 2020. I don't. <sighs> so. I don't know who's going to win in 2020, and I do agree that t- that Trump is vulnerable to some extent. Whoever controls the voting machines and counts the votes will win in 2020. I, I don't believe it. I think that they can be hacked, but I think they generally are not. I think they're hacked to a certain range. If you know, it, if Trump, if Clinton, if if they were hacked, Clinton would have won. Is what uh, I would say is is that she sort of set, stacked the deck in every other capacity possible. It's not like Trump had any inside uh, track on that. What my Trumpster friends uh, say is that they did hack the voting machines, and everybody hated Clinton so much that uh, even though they cheated, that they couldn't. Um, you know, they still she still couldn't win. If I we, personally don't know anybody who likes Clinton. No. <laughs> I really don't. I've met people certainly who voted for her over uh, Trump, but you know nobody particularly likes her. If we put socialism on the ballot in 2020, that sounds very risky to me, Delaney said on a Monday phone interview with The Hill. Lesson from uh, 2018 is very clear. We flipped the House with moderate candidates. You can't argue that point. The seats we flipped were with problem solvers, not with litmus test ideologues. We win when we put forth problem solvers who run in the center and i mean the likelihood of a sitting pres- sitting president losing the re-election is pretty pretty low uh the only times it's happened in my lifetime are uh carter and the economy was tanked whether you like it or not i like carter but the economy was tanked and reagan was hugely influential and charismatic and, and he, came, and he, he had a big following anyways because yep. he was a Hollywood guy. And he was the California governor yep. and the Hollywood uh, Hollywood guy. So, you know, there's the one. And then the other is Bush. And that's because Perot, uh, the third party candidate, they, they hadn't gotten rid of the third parties nearly as much in the early 90s as they finally did later. It's basically impossible with all the rules set up for a third party to do much of anything these days, as sad as that is.
I don't want it to be true, and maybe some third-party guys guys won't like it that I say it, but best I can say is is that basically the deck is so stacked at this point uh, that a third party simply can't win. So it's not going to be because Bush basically lost because of Perot, and those are the two in my lifetime where a president has lost in the uh, you know in in his sort of second election, and I just don't think it's going to happen. Maybe, and, and but with, I don't think so. And, and you're probably right. And with this socialism, I say. Hey, you know, another four years of Trump, and let's uh, focus on bringing in socialism in 2024, because I don't want to be an old, crippled-up man when uh, socialism, you know, takes hold. And I want my Bitcoin to become worth more money sooner than later. And as soon as the dollar collapses, or the closer it gets collapsed, the more my crypto's worth. That's that much is true. Your crypto and your gold will uh, s- go skyward at that point. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's eight fifty five four fifty free, as in Free Talk Live. I'm a little obsessed with My Magic Mud. Several years ago, I met Jessica Armand, the founder and CEO of My Magic Mud, and I didn't even know my teeth were coffee stained. A week's worth of use convinced me, and now I use it every three or four days. It's clinically proven to whiten teeth, and I think it cleans better, too. My Magic Mud's available at most local health food stores, Sprouts, Natural Grocers, CVS, Walmart's Natural Beauty Isle, but I can get it for you for 20% off with coupon code FTL20 at MyMagicMud.com. FTL20, MyMagicMud.com. Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. We're kicking off the third hour here of Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Jay. Mark and Jay here on a, well, a weeknight here on Free Talk Live, taking your calls. And that's what we do. We'd love to have you call in at 855-450-3733. Talked previously about the myth of the economic inequality in the United States, and now we're talking about the uh, the Democrats, I guess, are fighting it out over whether or not uh, socialism should be their pain point in this election. So, yeah, I would rather have socialism come sooner, also because there's still enough people around that understand that socialism just doesn't work. And I don't think it would fall into a total decay and collapse. It would probably get to a point to where, you know, like Russia, the, the Russian, you know, ruble, all, you know, at, at, at a point became absolutely worthless because the rest of the world said, we don't want it. And a lot of the world doesn't want the U.S. dollar right now. And then you start, uh, you know, hyperventilating that essentially that aspect and doing socialism right here in the United States. And you get the, the people within the country start to realize, Oh wow. You know, with all these programs and they, you know, that's where our hyperinflation could start coming in because a lot of dollars start coming back to the United States from around the world. And also the fact that they start with, you know, with all, like AOC's plan is just, just, just green new deal. I mean, that, no plan at all. That would be uh, a, <laughs> it's a plan to get elected. That would be a fantastic, uh, you know, financial dollar breaker right there and that would make well, you know the cryptocurrency is just awesome i i would love to see cryptocurrency uh you know finally break out i don't know whether i believe the stories when the uh the you know the the economic perma bears as i like to call them people who are always talking about the worst thing that's going to happen mm-hmm. uh you know say that 
you know, the news story is Iran's doing a deal with Russia and China to now have the ruble or the yuan or whatever as their, uh, you know, the quantified rate for oil or whatever they're saying. Well, the the Shanghai Energy Exchange has been online for almost, uh, I think, a year now trading oil in in yuan and that... You could not trade oil on anything except for dollars since 1971 or something. Right. That's why they call it the petrodollar. Right. And now you have the option of the yuan. And Which is a shakier currency than the dollar by a sure. long shot. So I don't know. I'm, I'm... But the Chinese people uh, hold a lot of uh, gold, from I would... what I understand, compared to Americans. Well, that much is true. But the Chinese people and China's Chinese government is a different uh, organization. Either way, I wouldn't just go selling at this point. <laughs> you know, the, a lot of people taking dollars. I'm willing to call, check out advertise.freetalklive.com if you want to spend some of those worthless dollars with Free Talk Live. <laughs> uh, let's go to Vern has a question for you, Jay. Okay. Yeah, let's take him. Vern, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah. Um, Jay, I was wondering. I, all right, I'm an old duffer. I'm 60. And I've been working a long time since i was like 14 when i got my first social security card thank you for your service Um, Vern. you're the kind of guy i want to hire right (laughs) you guys are the best well i'm a vet too um but how do you get a job nowadays other than being self-employed when companies nowadays will not even hire you unless you give up a social security number well this is uh I'll tell you exactly how that. So I have, there's a company, paving company here in New Hampshire called All States Paving. And they are a huge outfit. And I have done some repair work for them because I have a mobile welding operation. Uh, I can do on-site heavy equipment repair. And I I do some emergency work for those guys when they're in the area I'm in. And and I'm one of the guys that they call. There's also another uh, couple other large corporations I've worked for in Colorado that are, um, you know, they got accounting, accounting firms that handle everything. And, and what I've done is I've clarified my status with the State Department via a passport. And, uh, and I did a passport application with this guy, Christopher Gronsky. And you can check him out at Destinations Freedoms. I can't remember if it's .org or .com. But um, he uh, uh, does this thing where you, you, get a, you, you send out a passport application and you attach a statement with this passport explaining that you're not a U.S. citizen, because I'm not. I, I claim to be a New Hampshire national. My, my nation is New Hampshire. I was going to have you specify on that because, it, you know, it's not like you're from Taiwan or anything, pal. Right. No, I was, I was born on, on the uh, Massachusetts nation, and now I live on the New Hampshire nation. Anyways, uh, uh, U.S. citizens, you know, as what the, IR, what the IRS d- describes U.S. citizen as or defines them as, basically didn't exist until the 14th Amendment. And... But so this Gronsky guy, so, uh, so Chris, Gronsky. Christopher, Christopher Gronsky basically yep. has some system where you're able to verify who you are and then employers will accept that? Well, it's not that. So what, what happens is I, is I let the IRS know, I let the State Department know via the passport application that, you know, I am a foreigner when it comes to the United States because I'm not in the United States. The United States is District of Columbia. So I have a, uh, a, a W-9 form that I can give these corporations that's a uh, that that is a modified W9 form which you can do and I also have a W8 form that is a certificate of foreign status and these these were uh Christopher Gronsky uh, did these up for me I just and, want to know have you gone to jail for any of this No I have not gone have to you, jail Have you ever got a piece of paper from the government uh, threatening you Nope never and, but even before I met Gronsky I had de- I had been selling Girl Scouts of America hay and there are 
big 501c3 nonprofit, and right. they wanted 1099 form and all this stuff. And an IRS agent on the phone, this is like 2001, 2002, they, they owed me like almost $10,000 at this point because I was selling them hay and there was a 90-day payment schedule that they had, which yep. I agreed to. And they're like, they're like, well, we either have to deduct 28 or 30% or we can't pay you or blah, blah, blah or something. And I'm like, well, let's have a, you know, how, we, we need to figure this out, I tell them. And she goes, I know someone at the IRS. I'm going to call them. And, and she did it in a threatening manner. And I said, oh, please do. Let's do that. Let's do that. So I was on speakerphone with an, with an alleged IRS agent. I don't know who was on the other line. I mean, and she, that man told this lady accountant at the Girl Scouts of America that was in her office. Uh, right outside of Hartford, Connecticut, and they uh, um, said to put uh, Old Order Amish where it said Social Security number and to just have, and I told the guy it wasn't Amish. And he says, well, it doesn't matter. And I said, well, I'm not Amish. He goes, it just makes it simple. Just put that on there. And it basically... Pay him his money. Uh, the the rule with 1099 is that they have to have the um, name and a- known address and they have to uh, request it twice. The 1099 is not required. It is simply requested. So that if they if that corporation requests it twice, uh, they uh, their due dil- their thing is done. That, that's all they have to do. But anyways, when I provide them with a, a W nine form that doesn't have a social security number on it because I don't have one, and and a lot of people who, who Gronsky helps they don't use a, use a social security number anymore. It never belonged to them to begin with. Vern, let me get let me get a question another question from you if you have any here, Vern. No, that's it. I'm. I'm I'm gonna hang up and listen to it. It's fascinating, isn't it? And and, and I'm sorry I can't condense it a little more for, for, for you. But uh so I've worked for places, but what I will tell you the thing is is recently I worked for a company and their accountant did not like my W eight form. I bet he didn't. And uh I said, Well I'll I'll talk to the accountant and and Christopher Gronsky was like, Yeah, let's set up an appointment. I'll talk I'll have a three way phone conversation with the accountant or I'll come visit this accountant in Manchester, which he doesn't live too far away because he's pretty accommodating in, in that sense and wasn't tough. So they just, the guy who owned the company is a little paranoid, I think. And he's just like, ah, I'm not dealing with this, he says. That's happened to me once. But plenty of people have paid me. And so when he said he's not dealing with you, does that mean he just stopped doing business with you? Yep. And well, that's fine because yep. in your case, your, your labor is in demand. Sure, yeah. So as long as they're not, like in the case of the Girl Scouts in that circumstance, they were trying to take, you know, 90 days worth of hay and then pay uh, less for it. Correct. And they were trying to extort yeah, you. Yeah, that would have really, really hurt me. Yeah. And actually, it's really good that it worked out the way it did. I mean, I was a little annoyed about it at first because this guy didn't want to, like, you know, man up and, like, you know, try to be the libertarian he claims to be. And I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what's going on there, but there's no way I would have been able to service him this spring there was no way i could have yeah it's just too much work. And, and, and and then it then i would have been the bad guy and he would have been upset at me rightfully do, essentially do good work and then you don't need to worry sure. about all the rest of it yep 855-450-3733 it's 855-450 free is in free talk live check out our discord lines go to discord.freetalklive.com download the app there and then the uh, call-in lines are right there in the upper left-hand corner discord.freetalklive.com Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. 
And I have a comment uh, for um, to add to the last thing there with the caller called about. Okay. Basically, if you have skills and you're pleasant and you're good to get along with, uh, nothing else really matters. It, when it uh, comes to finding work and getting work and getting paid. I mean, I, I have had people like um, a lot of the, so most of the folks I've worked for have been like, oh, you, you, you want to be paid under a table? That's fine. No problem. You know, because they're just like, you know, th- there's a lot of things that I'll do that they just can't find people to do. And this is sort of uh, like machinery repair and that yeah, sort like of thing. for example there's a rental equipment guy who lives like four miles down the road from me and like you know i probably have a conversation with this guy three or four times a week because he needs something fixed or whatever and he usually just shoot down there and do it or he drops it off in my place and he like he's like and he's, i've only known the guy for like a year and a half and when he says to me the other day he's like i don't know what i'd do if i never met you you know yeah for every probably half dozen uh, machinists that can do CNC design and, and these sorts of things. There's one guy that'll get out there and crawl up underneath a uh, cat and uh, right. you know ca- large caterpillar and ground out the uh, you know the bearing or whatever they have yep. to do. And they're just, I mean, these guys can command an incredible amount if they wish to, and really set their own schedules and do a whole variety of things because the work they want to do is unpleasant and just. Uh, you know, scarce. And I, and I screwed up a little bit this fall. I, I mean, this spring, I definitely booked way too much stuff. I literally been working like twelve hours a day for like the past two weeks trying to get yeah. ready for Fork Fest. You can mop the tears away with your money. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you about AnyPay. AnyPay is uh, well, they're the company behind Help Me Take Bitcoin dot com. If you've got a retail business. And or you've got a service business where you go to people's houses or something. Jay, you probably uh, have you have you ever gone to help me take Bitcoin dot com? Uh, actually, I've never gone to it because I've just been I just present my QR code and okay. just people pay me, you know, so. Well, actually, I'm going to show you there's a benefit to it um, for you. But help me take Bitcoin dot com is the place if you've got if you need a point of sale solution for cryptocurrency, they make it as easy as possible. Um, help me take Bitcoin dot com. If you've got a wallet like Jay's got, then you're probably 30 seconds from completion, maybe two minutes. Let's call it two minutes to be fair. Two minutes from uh, completing this. Help me take Bitcoin dot com they are your solution if you're wanting to accept cryptocurrency and you should because well the the customers are loyal and you control your money no chargebacks either that's nice now i haven't looked at help me take bitcoin.com but i've definitely suggested it to several people yep and so this uh actually i just suggest the local pancake house in town I, i told it to the lady the other day and she goes oh do you like that website i was like oh i haven't been there she goes, yeah. She goes, you know, I wouldn't recommend like the, you know, whatever breakfast special unless I ate it. She said, <laughs> she's just teasing me. You know, they own a place, but I, one of their waitresses, I gave her a uh, a crypto tip, uh-huh. and it was ten dollars when I made the tip up a few months ago in Bitcoin Cash. And it's she, probably twenty five now. Uh, I think sixteen fifty is what yeah. I calculated. Cause I had email back the other day, and she finally um, took you it, know, took it in, and then I went back into the place, and the waitress had kind of like, hey, this. Bitcoin, this crypt, this Bitcoin tip I got, and it was Bitcoin Cash, you know, was actually like more than half of what you know. She was telling the other girls that it was more money, and she just thought that was really cool. Yeah. So I'm trying. So I, so I said, yeah, go to help me take Bitcoin dot com, and then other people have given me feedback, and they're like, oh wow, this is cool. Thanks, it really helped me out. 
So going on with a story from The Hill, uh, where the Democrats apparently are fighting over whether or not socialism ought to be on the ballot in 2020. Uh, going on here, it says uh, Delaney, who's one of the you know lesser-known candidates, who's kind of centrist. If we put socialism on the ballot in 2020, that sounds very risky to me. The lesson from 2018 is very clear. We flipped the House with moderate candidates. You can't argue that point. The seats are flipped, and uh, were the with the problem. So- excuse me. The, the seats were flipped. Uh, were with the problem solvers, not with litmus test ideologues. We win when we put forth problem solvers who run in the center. Liberals are irate, arguing that no one running for the Democratic nomination, not even Sanders, is a self-described uh, who's a self-described Democratic socialist, is proposing that the U.S. should abandon capitalism and become a socialist country. Okay. So this is one of your problems with messaging, ladies and, uh, you know, the uh, people of the left. When you call your ideology democratic socialism, expect a problem uh, because, you know, it says the word socialism in it. What democratic socialism basically has no definition. And, you know, people are screaming at the radios right now when I say that, but it's 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 true. You ask democratic socialist organizations to de- define democratic socialism, and there's a whole handful of them, and they'll define it differently. Each one of them. Yeah, it's like asking a psychi- psychiatrist, you know, ten different psychiatrists to uh, diagnose the same guy. You know, the joke was you get ten different diagnoses. Right. <laughs> you know. Neil Sorka, the communications director for the liberal group Democracy for America, described the centrists as a group of older white men gotta make sure to throw that in who think that they uh, their best path to relevance is in the primary okay their argument hinges on a republican view of the world that anything that is not greed soaked exploitative capitalism must be totalitarian communism sorka said and that's the binary choice republicans have decided have uh, decided on and all these old irrelevant white men are doing is bending to the way of thinking because they believe that it's a path to victory for their campaigns isn't bernie sanders an old white dude well um you're, you're only old and white if you disagree with mr sorka oh okay <laughs> at that point then then once you agree you're you know one once you agree with person your identity just disappears and melds with the the great socialist collective. It's almost more fun to like talk with people who don't agree, so you could like try to like work each other. I mean that those are the conversations I learn the most from, especially at like Forkfest. You, you you find these people who are also libertarians, but you know their beliefs are just a little bit different, and then you can have like this great debate, and you could you know just learn so much from it, and like it's. Um, when someone totally agrees with you, it's just boring. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. If we can, you know, if I want to have the conversation, which, you know, I do that three nights a week, uh, three hours a <laughs> night, uh, four nights a week here on Free Talk Live, and you can call in and have that conversation with me at 855-450-3733. You so- certainly will not be the first. 855-450-FREE, as in freedom. Uh, Democrats are bracing to see how former Vice President Joe Biden reacts to the controversy, noting that the primary's presidential frontrunner could ignite a vicious struggle between the progressives and establishment wings of the party if he sides with the centrists. Biden's going to try to he's going to try to straddle that fence like he straddled every fence in his life, and he's going to attempt to not piss off the progressives as much as he can. And he's got to hold his hands behind his back. So he doesn't grope little girls. Yeah, there's yeah. A, another yeah, that's issue. That's his thing. Biden has uh, sought to cast himself as a progressive champion, but 
one with crossover appeal to mainstream voters, believing that it makes him the most electable candidate in the Democratic field. Yeah, basically what he's done is, is said, I'm for the little guy, I'm for the poor guy, I'm for those things. Yeah, what The Democrats have been for those people for decades, and what have they done for them? There's so many crony things Biden and his son has, have done, like with the uh, Bank of China and these Ukraine deals, and the, they're just... They're literally like mafia-style scumbags, the Biden family. And, and I think that's going to come out a little bit. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE is in Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live has found that though U.S. financial institutions are prohibited from doing business with foreign gambling websites, it's not illegal for U.S.-based Internet users to gamble on those sites. People have been using VPNs or virtual private networks to connect to sites like games.bitcoin.com and play games with Bitcoin Cash. Games.bitcoin.com features poker, blackjack, roulette, craps, keno, slots, and dice. You can conduct your own investigation at games.bitcoin.com. Free Talk Live. Call in. Talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you. And Jay. I want to tell you about the AMP program. And I want to thank amplifier James Hell. James Hell is a silver amplifier. And you could be an amplifier, too. If you like what we do here on Free Talk Live, which is allowing people to speak about what's on their mind. And people to, well, uh... Hear the ideas of liberty on more than 200 radio stations. We're one of the biggest voices for liberty out there. And your $5, just like uh, James did as a silver amplifier, will help us go a long way in reaching more people. It's amp.freetalklive.com, A-M-P, amp.freetalklive.com. And this article here from uh, The Hill is going on with uh, talking about Joe Biden and how he might... uh, yeah, they're they're kind of waiting to see whether or not he's going to sort of be more progressive this go around or be more centrist. And I don't know. Let me take a guess. Maybe he'll be more progressive during the primary and more centrist during the general. Biden was noticeably absent from San Francisco over the weekend, where the progressives, such as Sanders and Warren, took shots at him as the safe choice, whose centrist leanings are ill-suited for the times. Uh, uh, San Francisco is where this uh, Democratic uh, event was. And, you know, Biden and Warren uh, are Sanders and Warden Warren will probably be like, yeah, vote for Joe Biden. If, if, you know, if he wins the primary, they're just going to, you know, they're just they're just actors and, and, you know, fellow Democratic bootlickers. Some Democrats in Washington believe the only changes we can get are tweaks and nudges. If they dream at all, they dream small, Warren told the crowd of delegates. The time for small ideas is over. And, uh, you know, I mean, San Francisco is a great place to do your fundraising. California is a great place to do fundraising. But as we saw, Clinton carried California by a huge margin, and it didn't matter. Basically, if California, if, if the United States would have been... Uh, just a place where the president is uh, elected by the number of votes, Clinton would have been in. But because it's the Electoral College and California only has so many electoral votes, even though it's the most, not enough. Doesn't do enough. So anyway, uh, liberals have found Hickenlooper, this is one of the centrist guys, speech from the event particularly infuriating, with many viewing his remarks on socialism as an ad hominem attack that's irrelevant to the debate going on among the left. 
Hickenlooper was booed for saying, if we want to beat Donald Trump and achieve big progressive goals, socialism is not the answer. Well, um, he's probably right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is, is that the, you know, these people on one hand are like, well, I'm not a socialist. On the other hand, when you say something like socialism's not the answer, boo. Well, which one, which one is it? Yeah. I got some friends that are like, I'm feeling a burn, you know, the last election cycle <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and they're like all pro socialism. And then I start, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll Bur- answer their post with the meme about how many millions of people died under socialism. And they're like, oh, they didn't do socialism right. Not social, not that socialism. You know, uh, Bernie Sanders was an exciting candidate, and I'm not going to argue with that. I agree with a lot of what he has to say. Well, um, I don't but know. I think he lies. It's <laughs> a problem. I think that mostly I consider him to have been an exciting candidate that uh, activated, uh, you know, a group that was otherwise not going to be terribly activated. But at this point, I just think he's too old. Oh, I mean, sure. It matters. Is it so, is he isn't like Trump one of the oldest presidents and Trump's the oldest president ever. Okay, that's what I thought. And uh Bernie would have would have been older and I believe Biden is Biden's certainly their contemporary if he's not older than Trump. I don't know exactly. I don't have that in front of me. In an interview with the Hill directly following his speech, Hickenlooper went further, describing Medicare for all and the Green New Deal as massive government expansions that are adjacent to socialism and will turn off general election voters in key swing states. Well, the Green New Deal should turn you off because it is just a bunch of claptrap. I, I think I'm going to say something accurate, but I'm not 100% sure. But I, you know, he's governor of Colorado, so I heard all the locals talking about him out there. And when I say locals, I pretty much hung out with, you know, jihadist Republican farmers and... Uh, they didn't seem to be really much against Hickenlooper because he really wasn't like a gun crusader, yeah. from what I understand. And it, there was definitely some other um, Democrats in Colorado who were slamming Hickenlooper for not being, you know, a gun control freak. Yeah, a lot of people are single issue voters, and the gun issue is a big issue for them. And Democrats oftentimes. Um, you know, especially these presidential Democrats are coming down on the side of, you know, reasonable gun control or whatever the terminology is that they're using. But, you know, when I saw, for instance, Marianne Williamson come out with her little plan for dealing with guns right after the uh, shooting over the weekend. Well, um, it was basically everything that has been trotted out up to this point and had little to nothing to do with the guy who did the shooting. Right, right. And so, you know, it's they've got these pat answers and they're never going to let a crisis go by. Yeah, and, and, you know, they never treat, you know, they never blame the car manufacturers or the cars for the drunk drivers that kill people. And I think more people are killed by drunks than guns. Well, um, it's the killed. The killed part is it's murdered by hunts, uh, guns. So homicide is different than suicide. So there's like seven Correct. times as many people that kill themselves through suicide with a gun. And I'm I mean, are you really going to stop them? Are right. they going to, you know, if they if they want to commit suicide, can't they find other ways to do it that are sure. relatively easy? Guns pretty quick and easy. Yep. And 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 I said that kind of wrong. Cars have killed more people in the United States, or maybe even around the world, than guns. But nobody's, you know, going after them for it. Maybe Sarah from Albuquerque. Yeah, probably. Let's go to the phones. Got David calling in from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey. Um. So continuing on to try to to paint the picture so you can understand my point, let's say uh, the analogy you see there written down, let's say 
let's say the, the, our government um, wrongfully arrests your son when he's an adult, okay, and uh, some cops and some cops fabricate some evidence, and some jailers beat him up, and you know add in whatever else you want. Sounds so like business a, as usual. Yeah, so that he's got a, a clear case. It's it's you know it's really easy to see. And um, do you uh, do you agree or disagree with somebody wronged like that, damaged like that by their government, like your son? If that happened to him, should should he uh, rightfully be able to sue the government uh, if he can make a case and and get a jury to you know keep a case open in court and get it to trial and take it through trial and have a jury side with him unanimously and and uh, award him twenty seven point eight million dollars. Uh, um, is that something that uh, you're okay with, or are you going to tell your son you shouldn't do that? Um, I I would tell him that it's I'm okay with that, and I would tell him it's fine. And and okay. I I would answer it a little differently. First off, it's probably not government that does this. Probably what actually you know causes the people that cause this crime work for a you know a, a charity calling itself a, a that is a municipal corporation calling itself a governmental agency. And I've brought this up several times. The uh, Supreme Judicial Court in Massachusetts has said. That the state police are not part of the government and are not bound by the Constitution. And this is a court case is a couple years old, ACLU. If you Google ACLU, Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court, and attorney Jack Collins, you will find this where the Supreme Court ruled that the state police do not have to answer public records requests because they are are charitable made up of charitable organizations. Stunning. It is stunning. And okay, so just to throw that in there, a lot of people sue these entities incorrectly and this is why they lose but i hope that 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 individual gets awarded all that money i that you know if he's been damaged right okay so that's so um we've got you to agree agree so far so far yes. you're not disagreeing with me and uh the um the next uh i'm doing wildlife control as i'm talking to you here. david i'm gonna have to ask the, you to call back um you know later and have this discussion because we're running up uh, against the uh, segment here i appreciate it the number is 855 i'm giving up the number here actually what i want to say is check out freedomsphoenix.com it's a liberty oriented news aggregation site it's where i get a lot of my show prep that i do here on free talk live and if you want to get uh news uh news that's liberty oriented freedoms with an s phoenix.com is a great place to do it it's freedoms with an s phoenix com all right it's another edition of the edgington post show mark edge coming to you for free talk live today i've got with me another guest who's going to be at freedom fest you go to freedomfest.com slash ftl and you can get your tickets today it's professor jim Gwartnik from florida state university delighted to be with you mark thanks jim i appreciate your time here now you caught my attention because your speech is going to be about the reduction of world income inequality i'm told if I pay any attention to the news and the internet and opinion pieces and these sorts of things, that income inequality is a real problem. It's growing. And at some point, we're going to have a revolution and all the rich people, are, their heads are going to be on pikes. <laughs> well, that uh, seems to be kind of the, na- uh, the media narrative. Uh, in terms of understanding this issue, it's important to think of income distribution. 
income inequality in uh, three different ways. One is, and the one that you generally hear stressed in the narrative, is income differences within a country, such as the United States or Scandinavian countries, Brazil or China, etc. And of course, that's essentially indicating within a country the share of income derived by very high income people relative to lower income people. Uh, A second a way that you can think about inequality is is cross-country income differences. Countries that have uh, very high incomes relative to the middle income countries, relative to the lower income countries. So this cross-country income differences. Right. And, and I'm told that like uh, places like Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and things like that, they have the, the highest income per uh, capita or whatever. But actually there that there's a huge uh, disparity and that some people get uh, a whole bunch of money and very, and uh, most people don't. Right. And that, uh, then finally, third, you can think of income inequality worldwide. That is to say, suppose that you looked at the income of every person in the world, some living in high income countries, some living in low income countries, most living in middle income countries, things of that sort, what would be the degree of inequality any, uh, worldwide? And it's inequality in both of these last two areas, both the cross-country income inequality, that is to say the income levels of high-income countries relative to countries with lower incomes. That has declined uh, particularly since 2000. It was relatively level between 1980 and, and 2000. And an increase basically from the time of the Industrial Revolution, say from 1800 up through uh, 1980, uh, decade after decade, that uh, you had an increase in income inequality till about 1980. And then since 1980, it kind of leveled off for a couple decades, and then you've had a rather a substantial reduction in income inequality. And the last a measure of income inequality, that worldwide income inequality has also decreased quite sharply uh, over the last, uh, since 2000, and really began declining about 1980. So, uh, that if we sort of think of looking at, at income inequality both across countries and for the world as a whole, actually, even though the narrative is constantly telling you about how income inequality is growing and all that sort of thing, it's actually declining uh, and so, uh, just rather remarkable. So um, when you're talking about people here um, who are on the low end here, the poor people, you're not talking about American poor, uh, American poor with uh, smartphones and, uh, you know, choosing not to do certain jobs because it's, um, I don't know, they get more, they probably get more from their benefits than they do from the jobs. So why would they do it? Um, you're talking about people who are in, you know, what we would call third world or f- even fourth world countries. I'm not even sure what that means, but I've heard the term used. <laughs> um, and that their lives are getting markedly better and that they are getting uh, you know, closer to, um, you know, having a, a, a life where they can make some money and, and raise kids and that kind of thing, right? That's right. And, and in fact, we really live in a remarkable time period. For the first time in world history, you've had quite substantial growth in per capita income. In fact, growth in, higher growth of per capita income than you had, say, during the 1800s and the first half of the, of the uh, 1900s. Uh, so we've had substantial growth, but the most rapid growth has taken place among countries that were poor 
at the beginning of that period. So you increasingly have uh, lower income countries that their income is growing more rapidly. And as a result, you're reducing both the cross-country income inequality and the worldwide income inequality. So it's just a remarkable period that we live in. Can you tell me why it's happening? Um, I mean, you know, this would be, if, if you want to replicate something, you you have to know what you're replicating. So do you have any clue what is occurring that's causing poor people to do so much better than they were a decade, two decades, three, four, five decades ago? Yes, absolutely. The, the primary driving force is a sharp reduction of what we refer to as the uh, transportation communication revolution. Okay. And what that involves is there has been a very sharp reduction in transportation costs, uh, both in terms of transportation of people as well as transportation of goods, and a sharp reduction in communication costs. And sort of think of what, you know, what was involved in communicating uh, uh across uh, long distances and from country to country, even a few years ago. I lived in uh, Prague, Czech Republic in 1993-94. And there was, uh, in terms of the internet and kind of keeping up of what's going down around home, that was not easy. Secondly, if you were going to make phone calls, they were expensive. Uh, the uh, uh, audio connections were uh, not good. But today... and. All that's changed that today, uh, I mean, in fact, they've changed in such a way that as a result through Skype and other kinds of communication devices and the Internet, that a lot of things that were very costly and made communications uh, inaccessible just uh, two or three decades ago are, are economical today. So what has happened in contrast and this this transportation communications revolution? Uh, in contrast with the Industrial Revolution. Now, the Industrial Revolution, we think of as, wow, in our civics class, we're talking about how that changed the world and that sort of thing. And it did, but only for a relatively small portion of the world, right. only a 12 to 15 percent of the population. And so uh, between uh, 1800 and 1950, the United States, United Kingdom, uh, of course, uh, later, a little bit later, Japan, what we think of as the West, that incomes began increasing for the first time in world history, and that, as I mentioned earlier, that decade after decade, those countries became richer and worldwide income inequality increased. And that continued to happen up until around 1980. But along about 1970, you had this other revolution that has changed our lives as much as the Industrial Revolution that has resulted in us experiencing more gains from international trade, more gains from from essentially uh, entrepreneurial kinds of ideas, introduction of, of new production processes and, and goods and services that we didn't even have access to. Well, what uh, is this this revolution that happened in the 70s? I presume it's not disco. No, no. But it's this reduction in transportation and communications costs has made meant that a number of countries, people living in countries that were pretty accessible to the major markets of the world, say the European market, Japanese market, maybe we might think of centered in Tokyo, a North American market, maybe New York, they're a long ways away from those markets and, and they were uh, uh, not integrated into the world market network. But 
this reduction in transportation and communication costs increased their integration into the world market network, and their income started growing very rapidly. Now, particularly if they had good institutions. I've been involved in uh, the measurement of the economic freedom of the world project where we measure the importance of economic institutions, their consistency with economic freedom. One could think of it as kind of identifying marketing that agreed to that uh, each country relies upon markets versus the, the political process. And so countries that became more economically free, they started growing quite early, less de developed countries, countries like Hong Kong and Singapore, which actually rank at the very top of that index of being the most economically free. Uh, Taiwan, South Korea, they started growing in the 60s and 70s. But this reduction in transportation and communication costs resulted in a lot of other countries beginning to grow uh, more rapidly, that it became more feasible to produce in places outside of, of say, the major markets of the world and that you found uh, other countries uh, in Asia, for example, that began to grow rapidly and countries in, uh, in some countries in Latin America. Dr. Jim Gortney, can you hold, if you want to get the rest of this interview, go to archives.freetalklive.com. That's archives.freetalklive.com and pull up the month of June and search for Gwartney, G-W-A-R-T-N-E-Y, Gwartney, at archives.freetalklive.com. All right, and we're back. T terribly sorry for interrupting there, doctor. Yeah. So uh, that you've the most rapidly growing countries in the world since uh, 1980 have really been these developing countries. And as they're growing more rapidly, that's reducing income inequality. And we can measure that. We can look, for example, at in economics, we use something called the Gini coefficient which indicates the degree of inequality. And we can construct that for this uh, cross-country income inequality, and we can construct that for worldwide in income inequality. And as I mentioned, it increased uh, uh, rapidly and consistently uh, for uh, 150 years after 1800 and right up to about 1980. And then it, it leveled off the worldwide Gini coefficient between 1980 and on into 1990. But along about 1990, it started declining. And the interesting thing is since 2000, you've not only had the uh, lower income countries, particularly those who have good institutions, growing quite rapidly and narrowing the gap relative to, to high income countries, but you have also had the sort of demographic factors that have not worked as well for high-income countries. Increasing share of population, say, uh, over 60. Uh, and and uh, more people are outside of the most productive age brackets of maybe you know, 25 to 59. And that will slow in, has slowed income uh, growth in the high-income countries. And therefore, you've had a very substantial narrowing. That, that Gini coefficient mark in, in 2015, measuring worldwide income inequality, is actually uh, lower, that is to say, less income inequality than it was in 1950. Hmm. So in a relatively short period of time that we've actually eroded, reduced income inequality by a larger amount than we did in the, than, than the increases uh, over the previous 50 or even 100 years. 
It sounds like it's a it's a real revolution and it's gone unheralded. In fact, um, the the heralding, as it were, is heralding in the other direction. They're saying that the problem is getting worse, not better. Um, or at least that's the impression that they leave us with. They, um, one, one has the ability to lie with statistics, I suppose. But can you tell me sort of, um, as opposed to the statistics, can you tell me some of the, the real world ways that this is helping, uh, poor people in these, uh, these countries around the world that are suddenly springing into, you know, sort of mo- the modern age? Yeah. Well, in terms of, of why it's happening, it really is its integration into the uh, worldwide market economy, which is something like a network. It's a little bit like by a, a, a telephone or a uh, the Internet, that if you're the only person that has a telephone, it's not very valuable to you. Right. But if you have thousands of other people who have telephones, then it becomes more valuable. And when you have millions of people who who uh, are a part of that network, it becomes even more valuable. And of course, we've seen that with telephone systems and then more recently with the Internet. Well, the market, worldwide market is like that. And so as we integrate more people into the system, it increases the gains that all of us are able to enjoy, but it particularly increases the welfare of those individuals who previously were not part of this network. And now that, now that they are in the sort of primary evidence that we see of that is this huge reduction in worldwide poverty, that the uh, poverty rate worldwide was roughly 60%. That, now, this is the extreme poverty rate. It's uh, defined by the World Bank. It's basically uh, equivalent to individuals who are making a $1.90 a day, roughly around $700, in terms of $2,011. So we can sort of identify the number of people who have income levels above that threshold and below that threshold. Well, in 1980, 60% of the world's population uh, was uh, in extreme poverty. That figure today is less than 15%. Wow. So there's been a 75% reduction in worldwide poverty. Uh, how, and what, um, so is it is it getting faster as far as getting rid of, or is there going to be this last uh, you know difficult uh, you know uh, very difficult uh, percentage to eliminate um, that it's in the the world poverty rate, or is that something that's going to just disappear? Is it, are, is extreme poverty going to disappear in ten years, or what? I think that it's certainly going to continue to decline, and part of uh, in a way. You know, to reduce it when you get down to where there's only 15 percent of the world's population that are poor, it becomes increasingly uh, difficult to reduce it by another one percent or two percent or et cetera. There's that that part's true. But it's also true that the growth rates today, growth of per capita income and therefore what it is, it's pushing the poverty rate down is more rapid today than it has been in the past. That, for example, I mentioned, you know, the United States, United uh, Kingdom, we would think of as being the leaders of, of countries coming out of the Industrial Revolution. And those countries, interestingly enough, never grew above 2% any decade during the period from 1800 on up through to World War II, 1940s, 1950s. In contrast, today we have lots of countries. More than half of the developing countries are growing at a a higher than 2% annual rate. And many of them, roughly uh, around a third, are growing at at 4% annual rates. 
So the world, I sometimes say, is in fast forward. Well, that's going to reduce that poverty rate uh, more rapidly than what has historically been the case. And certainly it's going to reduce poverty more rapidly in these developing economies in uh, the current era that we're in than was the case for the what we think of as the West uh, during the 1800s and, and, and on into the 1900s. Dr. Jim Guardy, this is amazing news, and I presume you're going to be expounding on this a bit at Freedom Fest. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward. Freedom Fest is a, 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 a great treat, and I expect even a, not, a lot of uh, the people uh, who attend Freedom Fest will be unaware of some of these trends that are going on, which I think are really quite encouraging in terms of human progress. Right, because this is the thing about um, you know the, the, the ideas of liberty, whether you want to call them uh, free markets or whatever term you want to use, but free people really do make the world a better place. And in many cases, you'll have the narrative of those that wish to see more state intervention. Um, they'll, they'll be like, well, this just doesn't work. This is, um, you know, neo-feudalism or whatever the, you know, the, the narrative is. And apparently the facts stand in their face. They really do, as well as theory. I mean, I like to think of basically a market economy is where people help each other in, ex in exchange for income. I tell my students, if you want to earn a lot of income, you better figure out how you can help people a lot in a market economy. Now, of course, in a politicized economy, there might be more of this opportunity for cronyism and favoritism and, and things of that sort, which frankly is, I think, the kind of income distribution that people are most concerned about. It's not so much the, uh, the measure of income inequality, but it's how did you earn it? And if you earned it fair and square, for example, I find somebody like Steve Jobs who became a very wealthy person, but think of how he's positively impacted our lives. Most of us are, are not very worried about income inequality of, of somebody like Steve Jobs making a lot of money because he helped us a lot. Now, the cronyism and people who got get ahead through government favoritism and things of that sort, that's another matter. You know, that um, now that you mention it, income inequality is something that I've kind of, um, you know, I've used this example over time. I've railed against it a bit because to some extent, my life doesn't particularly matter if somebody is richer or poorer than I am. Um, so let me run some, you know, a, a, an idea past you and see what you have to say regarding it. Um, income inequality would be unimportant to the average American be, for this reason. So let's say we're in a law firm and I'm the, uh, the lawyer. I'm a, I'm a new partner or new, uh, associate lawyer and I've got a paralegal who works for me. We, uh, both start at, um, a hundred dollars an hour and $10 an hour. Mm -hmm. And then we do really great over the first year and they give me, they double our pay. So I get paid $200 an hour and they get paid um, $20 an hour. So everybody's just had their pay doubled, but the income inequality in our office has just doubled because yeah. now I'm making a hundred. I went from making $90 an hour more to $180 an hour more. But the person who would be have the complaint about that has just had their income doubled. Right. Well, that, that's uh, absolutely right. And if you look at sort of a if, – if you only had those two parties involved, essentially a measure of income inequality would give the same answer. But one could also look at gaps 
between high-income countries and low-income countries and see whether those gaps are widening, which would be equivalent to your two hundred, your one hundred dollars versus ten. Uh, 100,000 versus 10,000 in the first case, and then 200 versus 20 in the, in the second case, which would show a widening gap. So we can actually look at those gap figures. And we now see that even since 2000, that those gap figures are also declining. Yeah, it uh, makes me curious as to why it's happening, but it, it, it certainly flies in the face of the narrative that we're being fed. Um, Dr. Jim Gwartney, I really appreciate your time here. It's freedomfest.com slash FTL, and you can get your tickets to Freedom Fest. If you use FTL 50, you get $50 off. So that's a pretty good deal. Also, if you go to freedomfest.com slash FTL, you can see the best five videos from last year's Freedom Fest. So you can see what you're going to be getting. It's freedomfest.com slash FTL. Thank you, Dr. Jim Gwartney. Thank you. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Ward. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. Porcupine Real Estate dot com.